You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. And if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and the Odyssey app. Doing so is free and ensures you never miss another episode. You'll also stay up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. Before we get underway, I did want to let you know about subscribing to Locked On NHL. You need more hockey news, and Locked On NHL is here to fill the gap. It's our daily podcast on everything happening in the league. Subscribe and listen each day for a quick look at the biggest stories and game recaps. Subscribe to Locked On NHL today wherever you get your favorite podcasts. On tonight's episode, I wanted to recap a couple of different things. The first one we will talk about is, of course, the continuing NHL playoff series between Tampa Bay and the New York Islanders. We'll then pick up with our Euro 2020 coverage, which today was quite exciting for a lot of you, especially if you're fans of smaller nations like Denmark and, well, mostly Denmark. A lot of the other smaller nations today got eliminated, so if you're a Finland fan, my apologies. Sorry, Vili. Not your nation's day today. Closing us out, I did want to recap some thoughts on uh, the Athletics panel voting on the Seattle Kraken expansion draft, which they've done a couple of different times recently. This one was refreshed as recently as about five days ago, so the results are pretty current, and I think all of the all of the panelists basically voted for the same player, so it'll make giving my feedback on this pick pretty easy, and then give some additional thoughts on who I'd prefer to have taken, and who I could see actually making a pass at being a Kraken member if the Jets play their cards right. Starting off though, Tampa Bay versus New York, which is a game currently ongoing, but let's be honest, it's already over. This one... I was curious to know how the Lightning would respond after a tough Game 4 loss in which they sort of blew it in overtime. You felt like the Islanders maybe would hang around in this series and continue to be a bit of a pest, which they were pretty good in Game 3, unfortunately lost that one, then came out in Game 4 and got the W. Game 4 was a pretty close run affair, but Game number 5 has been a bit of a shocker. New York is just completely out of this one, they've turned the puck over repeatedly, Tampa Bay's rush offense has completely slaughtered New York's defensive structure. Guys from the Islanders are losing their temper, like Matt Barzal taking a five-minute major. It's just a bit of an ugly situation. I could see Barzal getting suspended, or at, at the very least, a fine. And so I think it showcases some of the limitations of where I think the Isles are, are going to be maybe capped at. You know, this team is is a good team, generally speaking, but I've always maintained that I felt like, at some point, their lack of really high-end talent... Pit against a team like Tampa Bay would be a very tough, tough draw. Now, I did suggest that the series will probably go to seven games, and I still hold to that. I do think the Islanders are going to come back in game number six and pull off a major win. But, you know, game number five does kind of show where Tampa Bay just has that extra level of ability. And it's like the Lightning, when they switch on, they're just a totally different team. They play like Vegas or, or Colorado. But honestly, they might be better than both of those teams. Defensively, not so much. But offensively, inside the uh, attacking areas, and especially between the face-off circles, um, anytime they form their little triangle of offense, their ability off the rush, their tic-tac-toe power plays, 
this team just doesn't really have all that many holes, and now that Steven Stamkos has been able to stay healthy for a reasonably sustained amount of time, you know, you look at this team and there's just not many holes on this roster. You could maybe, again, point to the defense as being one of the primary weaknesses, and even then, Tampa Bay's defense is pretty darn good. Frankly, their blue line could be a pile of crap and it might still be serviceable enough to help the forwards because John Cooper's a smart coach, he knows how to mitigate some of their issues, and then Andre Vasilevsky cleans up the rest. I mean, having a guy like him in net backing your defense and your forwards is just, it's such an immense relief for this team, and it really gives them a huge backbone to rely on when everything goes a bit pear-shaped. And to be fair to the Lightning, that's pretty rare. You know, generally speaking, Tampa Bay is at least playing even if not above their opponents. There aren't many games this series where the Islanders have been better than Tampa by a decent margin. In tonight's game, that is especially true. Tampa Bay is just absolutely killing the Islanders. It is currently 8-0 with a little under a minute and a half remaining in the game. I don't really know what you draw from this game other than the fact that the Lightning, when they are playing at the highest level that they can, they're truly unstoppable. I did think the dam would probably burst at some point with this team because Tampa Bay just doesn't score less than like four goals very often. This squad is designed to score loads of goals, at least five a game, right? I mean, this team can basically tear apart any defensive structure, and if your goalie is even a little bit off, you're kind of cooked. And so, you know, Semyon Varlamov, I don't know that you can really fault him tonight. Some of the goals he gave up were a little bit greasy, but he got pulled reasonably early, and Ilya Sorokin, who's also been very good for the Islanders, immediately got lit up and hasn't really been able to stem the, the bleeding. So I don't know that it's really on the goaltending. I look at the defenders and some of the forwards committing really egregious turnovers and clearance attempts. You know, Leo Komarov on one of the earlier clearance attempts, he had a, a double opportunity to clear the puck, messed up both attempts, it gets turned over, surrender to Tampa Bay, they score immediately off the turnover, and like that, the rest is history, right? So I just sort of wonder what the Game 6 response is. You know, New York is going to be looking ahead at their matchups and stuff, but, you know, I, I do think... Barry Trotz maybe needs to rely less on some of these weaker forwards. You know, if you've got guys like Leo Komarov and Cal Clutterbuck and Matt Martin and some of these other players who, in certain areas, do have actual defensive value and stuff, but maybe can't be trusted with elevated minutes, cut it back a bit. I know Komarov really isn't playing that much, but he probably needs even less than he's getting right now because when I've seen him on the ice, it's been a bit of a mess. Barzal being sidelined for a huge chunk of the game certainly didn't help, but, you know... I think the Islanders are in a bit of trouble here. If they're running out of gas and Tampa Bay does this again in game number six, well, obviously the series is over, but I think it's just showing the limitations of where the Islanders have yet to really break that next level. They're still a really good team. I think that the Islanders have a lot of good pieces, the coaching staff is pretty smart, and for the most part, they've got things figured out. But it's in the margins where I still question a lot of their decision-making and a lot of the players that they've brought in over the years. A lot of these depth guys, for me, just don't really move the needle. Lou Lamarillo actually got a nomination for GM of the Year, which I was kind of shocked by because I really didn't think he did anything beyond the trade deadline that suggested he was worth a nomination. Obviously, bringing in Kyle Palmieri was a very big deal, but... Beyond that, you know, you look at this team and it's just not that great. He gave away Devin Taves for what, like two second round picks or something like that? I mean, you're talking about a top four defender who's a young asset and a prime defender for this team, which right now their blue line has looked pretty ragged. And you think about how they basically gave him away for nothing and he was immediately a positive contributor for the, uh, for the Avalanche. So maybe don't give away guys in positions of need for free, right? I'm not saying Taves would have been the difference maker in this game, but certainly his mobility and skill could provide a bit of a boost. 
This team in general just needs a skill injection, and now they're facing the firing line as they're heading into game number six. My money is on something of a bounce back performance, but I won't be shocked if something similar happens and Tampa Bay just sort of ends the series there and then. This team knows how to kill off a playoff series, they've won a cup recently, the Lightning very much mean business. Speaking of teams facing the firing line and staring down elimination, in just a moment we'll take a look at the Euro 2020 tournament, which is currently entering the last days of the group stage, and for a lot of teams and nations, this is a huge chance to try and close out either their, their run for the next round, or in some cases, desperately hanging on to try and survive and maybe have a shot at making it to round number two. Before moving on like the Euros teams, I did want to tell you about why Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. If you're a longtime listener of this podcast, then by now you know that I'm personally a huge fan of Built Bars. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, they're so darn delicious because they're more like a candy bar, with a 100% chocolate exterior and a soft chewy interior. They come in 9 delicious flavors like cherry, mint brownie, salted caramel, and more. But occasionally they release some really special limited edition, limited quantity flavors that once they're gone, they're gone for good. So make sure to stay tuned to all of Built Bar's social media channels and their website. You do not want to miss out, trust me on that. As good as Built Bars taste, they're even better for you, with most bars clocking in at around 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of net carbs, and 17 to 18 grams of protein. They're perfect for every lifestyle, whether you want to maintain your weight or lose weight. To place your order, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Order the best tasting protein bar on the market right now. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are now transitioning from NHL playoffs coverage to some thoughts on the Euro 2020. It has been a wild, woolly affair for a lot of teams, and we are now entering the final group stage games that will determine which teams advance to the next round. And there are quite a few teams that are actually on the borderline. Today saw another handful of nations eliminated as Ukraine fell to Austria 1-0. And, you know, sitting in third place in the group, unfortunately, Ukraine has fallen out. Not much to say there. I'll I'll say that Austria, for me, has been kind of, I don't know, okay, maybe not amazing. Offensively, I just think they're a little bit limited, and, you know, when their attacking options are maybe not fantastically deep up front, it does tax the midfield and defense to be extra careful and very precise, which, you know, you can't really afford mistakes. They got through this match unscathed, but you do have to wonder going forward if a team, again, like, say, the Netherlands or Belgium or even Denmark, you know, faces this squad, how's Austria going to react? They haven't really been that good this tournament, and even with Marko Arnautovic coming back soon, I, I just don't really know if they're in this tournament for the long haul. It seems like a you qualify to the next round and then you're out kind of deal. Speaking of the Dutch, they ended up waxing North Macedonia 3-0, which is not super shocking. The Dutch have been one of the more consistent offensive performers. My only question with them is defensive stuff when it comes to defending a lead, especially against a really aggressive, fast team. Against Macedonia, you don't really expect them to concede more than a goal, but I don't know. Sometimes they're a fun team, um, and fun not being the best term, I guess. You know, you'd, you'd maybe say a little bit scary for Dutch fans. They've almost blown leads before in this in this tournament, which is not super shocking. I mean, it's a short-form tournament. You really can't read too much into game-to-game results, so to speak. But the Dutch, in the past, maybe are, are good enough to advance a couple of rounds, and then they fall out to one of the bigger nations. This time, they maybe have a decent shot of advancing beyond their usual, um, maybe, round of eight or so. I think the Netherlands are, are one of the stronger sides in this tournament. It's just focusing on the details once they have a lead. If they can maintain their composure and avoid any defensive gaffes against really strong teams, they've got a pretty decent shot. 
I mentioned Denmark earlier because they actually did advance after a huge emotional 4-1 victory over Russia. The Russians, for their part, I think are a pretty decent team, but again, maybe a little bit outgunned in this tournament. I thought that Russia in the World Cup was a fun performance. It was certainly at home, they were hoping for a really big showing. Almost got to the very last finals, but of course fell to Croatia. So, you know, this time I think it's probably a big disappointment. They were expected to at least make some noise, maybe even advance, but Denmark with a huge performance and some really impressive goals like the absolute blast from Andreas Christensen, it's just too much to surmount, and Denmark advances, which I think everyone was really hoping that the Danes would actually go through anyways. After Christian Eriksen went down with the cardiac arrest situation, everyone was kind of rooting for Denmark to go through. I believe most of the fans in the stadium were in fact Danish, so the the noise was huge and the crowd was absolutely surging. You could feel the energy and emotion. People were probably in tears. Uh, A very big moment for this team. And I think everyone's kind of hoping that they make some noise and maybe even advance to at least the final round of eight, maybe beyond. The last game is going to be tough for Finnish fans, which of course in Winnipeg there's going to be a lot because, well, you know, Finland is apparently Winnipeg's favorite uh, Nordic nation. The Fens had to have some kind of a result today to have a chance at advancing, and unfortunately for them, they have fallen 2-0 to Belgium. Belgium, you know, they were a pretty decent team throughout the start. I think it was a bit of a slower game for them. They own ball possession, but of course, converting possession into actual results is always a challenge in football, and a couple of times they got close. Radetzky in net for Finland was very strong and made a couple of great saves, but then there were a couple of moments like the header from, I think it was Thomas Vermeulen, that sort of caught him a little bit off guard. He was out of position and then it sort of bounced off his hands as he reacted way too late. Maybe not the most shiny example of goalkeeping, but what can you do? He kind of felt like Finland was going to lose this one. They just weren't creating much offensively, and the scant few shot attempts that they had were either wide or, even if they were on target, very low danger and nothing that uh, Thibaut Courtois couldn't really handle, so the result seems pretty fair, and I think people would have preferred Denmark going in over Finland anyways. This was a um, obviously an emotional result and a very big day, probably one of the more exciting Euro match days you'll see. Tomorrow we've got a couple of major games between Croatia and Scotland, and then the Czech Republic and England. England should be through to the next round, but, you know, it, it's it been a little bit of a dicey affair throughout the first couple of matches. Again, this is a very small sample size, only three games, but Harry Kane is going to have to have more touches on the ball to actually be a factor. And uh, as their leading scorer and their, their main primary attacker, I think that England needs to find a way to get him involved, and hopefully the Czechs are going to be a little bit more open than some of their uh, previous opponents. I'm sure the English defense, which has been pretty stout this tournament, is going to be very, very much aware of Patrick Sheik, who's been an absolute monster in transition, and certainly he has the goal of the tournament. He's been scoring at will, so they're going to have to keep him in check. Pun not intended, but I'm sure you're going to think I meant that one anyways, so make sure to try and at least catch one of tomorrow's games. I think they're going to be pretty darn good. Croatia, Scotland may be a little bit on the boring side, but Czech Republic versus England? Yeah, I think that one could be a firecracker. That's going to wrap up our football coverage for tonight, though. And now we look a little bit ahead to Winnipeg's future involving the Seattle Kraken and who the Kraken might be taking off this roster based on some predictions. Before thinking about the future, though, I wanted to tell you about the present and why you need to be signed on to BetOnline.ag. When it comes to the wild, wild west of online betting, you need to know that there's a safe name that you can trust every single time. That's why you should look no further than BetOnline.ag. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball and hockey season are in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, UFC, MMA, international football, and every sport in between. 
No matter what you're into, BetOnline has your back. Before the next pitch or face-off, head on over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up for bonuses, and enter all the contests your heart desires. Stop sitting on the sidelines and join your favorite teams as they begin their quests for playoff glory. Win as they win. To register for a free account, go to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and register for a free account. And when you do, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a matched 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that is promo code LOCKEDON at registration to receive a matched 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing out tonight with some thoughts from the Athletics Guide to the Seattle Kraken Draft, which I think a lot of folks are now thinking about, especially for us Jets fans, where we're likely to lose at least one player who is a fan favorite. Now, right now, the names of, of available players is still currently unknown, but you could probably guess a couple of them that will be on it. Mason Appleton and Andrew Kopp might be two of the prime candidates for exposure. And then there's Logan Stanley, who on the defense is probably a guy that I would expect to also be exposed. And I think everyone voted for Mason Appleton from the athletics panel, which for me is kind of disappointing. I really like Appleton. He's not necessarily a guy the Jets are going to die without, but I would much rather he be protected in some capacity if it meant the Jets could expose a player who's maybe not quite as good. I feel like Appleton's PK value, his even strength contributions, and his occasional offensive edge all make him a really versatile middle six player, and somebody that, frankly, could get some top six time one day. I don't think that he's like an ideal second liner or anything, but certainly a guy that you could press into service if you needed to. He makes sense as the pick for Seattle because the Kraken tend to be run by very smart people, so I don't think the Jets are going to be able to fool them into taking anyone bad. And Appleton is also not somebody that I'm asking the Jets to pay assets for in order to protect him. If the Jets lose Appleton, it will suck a lot, but it's not like the Jets are going to completely implode or something without him. Obviously, a guy like Dylan DeMello is much more important to protect. And that kind of brings us to player number two that might be exposed and who could also be taken. That would be Andrew Kopp, who I believe has a contract expiration coming up, so... It's important that the Jets kind of decide now whether they want to keep him or not. In my eyes, the Lowry contract basically precluded Cop from being re-signed. I think they've cast their lots with Adam. And in some ways, I can't say I disagree with that, you know, in a very broad sense. I'm not a big Lowry fan at this stage of his career, but the contract isn't, like, horrendous or anything. It's just not great. Whereas Cop's next deal is going to start with at least a four, and I could imagine that a four-plus million dollar deal is going to be a little bit of an eyesore for the Jets. Certainly, whoever signs that contract is going to be getting a very good player. But if his decline, which we did see this year in terms of his defensive impact, is in fact something that is more of a trend than just a brief blip, you may wonder if he's really going to bring that same level of value. My thought is it's more of a blip, but you never know. I I do think that some team is going to have to pay a lot for his points production, which was very good this season. I believe a career high, so yeah, he's definitely worth a good deal, and I think that on the open market, Four and a half plus the five million wouldn't be out of the question. I think five would probably be pushing it quite a bit, but four and a half or so I, I could see being a, a thing for some team. Plenty of crappier players have earned much bigger contracts, so it's not like it's crazy to think that a guy like him who's in his prime age and certainly a very hot commodity could potentially be in the market to get a huge contract. We've seen Brandon Tanev make bank on a, a season that, you know, you wouldn't imagine him getting so much money for so much term. His contract at least hasn't been completely terrible for the first couple of seasons, but if Cop were to get a major deal, you know, you do incur a tiny bit of risk, I would say. 
and maybe the Jets just aren't comfortable with that. I think Appleton would still go first over Cop because Appleton has less of an issue right now in terms of the contract situation, and he's younger, but I could see some team like the Kraken taking on Cop's next negotiations and stuff. He'd be a really good center to build like a second or a third line around him. Stanley is the third option to get chosen, and I think he could be, I would say, an outside choice. I don't know that he's the kind of player that you would move heaven and earth to protect. In my mind, he's like a third-pairing guy and not much more than that. I have to think that the Kraken would evaluate him the same way, but you never know. Maybe his size kind of fools people and the decent season that he had would get, you know, the Kraken talking about how much value he could bring to that young defense. I think he's probably a bit overrated by a lot of people right now, so... If he's the guy the Jets lose to the Kraken, I'm 100% okay with that. I think, you know, it'd be great for Logan Stanley's career. He'd probably get a ton of minutes out that way. It'd be a nice change of pace for him. And I'm sure the Jets have plenty of young guys on the Manitoba Moose that would be happy to fill that role. You know, Kof Kof, Vili Heinola, anyone? Um, or even Jonathan Kovacevic or Leon Gavanki. I mean, there's like lots of guys. Dylan Sandberg, people seem to forget exists. So Stanley going to the, the Kraken would be fine with me. Um, I wouldn't pay for that to happen, but I could imagine Seattle thinking he might be a big, strong, offensively gifted young D to take a, a punt on. Hopefully their analysts don't convince them otherwise and enforce them to take Appleton instead. But I think Mason's probably the guy that they choose anyways. I'd be curious to know who you'd want to have the Kraken take out of these three. Be sure to let me know at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. For tonight's podcast, though, that will do it. Before you look off, don't forget to check out the Locked On Today podcast. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Pete Burkowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite shows. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.